You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. Welcome to a new episode of the Self-Made Strategies podcast. I am your host, Tony Lopes. And we have an awesome guest with us today. Our guest on this episode is a former American women's professional soccer player. She played in the American Women's Professional League for the Philadelphia Charge, the Boston Breakers, the Philadelphia Independents, and the Atlanta Beat. She's a three-time Olympic gold medalist, the first gold medalist on our show, I'll admit. And uh, she was a gold medalist as the As a member of the U.S. women's national team, she won those titles in 2004, 2008, and 2012. She is one of four, one of only four U.S. soccer players to win three Olympic gold medals. We won't have to say U.S. women's soccer players because only the women's team has won gold medals, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, I had to do it. She also played in four matches in the 2011 FIFA Women's World Cup where the U.S. national team finished second. She announced her retirement from soccer via Twitter on March 13th, 2013. She also served as a studio soccer analyst for ABC, ESPN, and ESPN2 during the 2003 FIFA Women's World Cup, and a sideline reporter for several MLS broadcasts in 2005. She's also presented for TEDx on her gold medal mindset, and her own secrets to obtaining a gold medal. From a young age, her love of sport, health, and mindset helped her to live her life to her fullest. Now she wants to assist others to do the same. Heather Mitz is a mother of three, and her passions include health, fitness, and our impact on the planet. Staying fit throughout her pregnancy helped have Heather to thrive, and she wanted to share her empowered pregnancy journey with you. In addition, Heather's created a Q&A series called Passion for Success, which empowers females through sharing knowledge. Now, Heather is sharing her gold medal mindset, her own formula for success that she used to help her become a three-time Olympian. Her methods go beyond the perfect image of an athlete on the podium and look deeper into the reality of the heartache and hardship that are present on the road to a gold medal. Behind every gold medal, There's a little bit of a secret. Only about six grams of the metal is actually gold. It's predominantly made of silver. Similarly, Heather looks forward to sharing her secrets with you. Here are the self-made strategies of Heather Mitz. Heather, thank you so much. You're hosting us in your home, first of all, which is awesome. Thank you for for doing this, but thanks for coming on the show. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. That was a mouthful. Man. Yeah. Well, well, it's your fault. I blame you. Those are your, your accomplishments. <laughs> you guys so. went deep. And I just want to say, I love how you guys roll. This is hardcore here with the setup. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. You can also watch this on YouTube. You can see uh, Heather's face along with my face. And uh, also we have a wide shot of Heather and her dog Paxton, who's also joining us on the podcast. Uh, I'd say he's the first dog on the podcast, but technically if you search hard enough, you can hear my dog barking in the background of one or two. So, um, but yeah, thanks so much for joining us. So take us back to the pivotal moment in your career, which was back in 2007. You, you talk about this frequently in your speeches when you were you know, getting ready, you were facing off against Canada in a friendly. This is two games before they announced the Women's World Cup team. You're yeah. playing against 
a forward that's 5'9", and, you know, you talk about this, compared to your stature at 5'4", right. you had to work extra hard to keep her from scoring. So, so tell us about what happened then. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely learned a lot about myself and my mentality and how much I love playing soccer. Um, obviously, injuries are part of sports, uh, but I think that tearing my ACL in 2007 was definitely kind of a turning point for me. Um, yeah, I was playing against one of the best forwards in, in the world. And she was obviously much um, taller and stronger than I was. So I felt like I needed to play a little bit more physical. I'm usually one of the smallest people on the field. Um, the ball had been played in and we both arrived around the same time from different vantage points. And because of her, the height differential, she successfully knocked that ball forward. And, you know, her her kicking foot ended up hitting mine and I spun in the opposite direction and I heard that pop and I just knew right then and there. And, you know, I was on the ground and my teammates came out to console me. And, um, you know, as sweet as it was, you know, I needed a second because I knew exactly like I, right. I knew and I knew that I was not going to be playing in my first World Cup. I knew how hard I'd worked for that. And it was also kind of one of those things where you just never know if you'll ever make it back because you hear so many horror stories about um, surgeries gone wrong right. or just, you know, for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, I, I took that to heart. Um, I felt really sorry for myself for about a day. And luckily, my then boyfriend, now husband, AJ uh, Feely, who was also an athlete, thank goodness he was there for me because his words really did make an impact. Um, you know, he's basically just calling me out for how bad I was feeling for myself and was tired of seeing me mope around and said, all right, have you get one day to feel sorry for yourself? And I was like, all right, and I will. And so then the next morning he was right though, because in all honesty, this kind of applies to everything in life. Um, when things aren't going your way, if you feel sorry for yourself, I mean, what's that going to do? So yeah. I just kind of had to change my mentality. And, you know, I, I realized that I had been through some injuries in the past and that mentality had always helped me um, to have success. And it was why I was close to playing 136 times for the women's national team. And so I, I just wanted to use that and try to learn from that experience. And um, along the way, I, I just realized a, how much I loved playing soccer and what I was willing to do in order to give myself an opportunity to one day play at a high level again. And I also learned a lot about myself and my grit and my, my passion um, that if, if I can do that with anything, you know, even now as, as a mom or in my next career, then you're going to have success. Right. Yeah. It's really impressive. I think it's a great story. I mean, you, you talk about this in your TEDx speech, which I highly recommend that people go and Google it and check it out. And we'll also post a link in the show notes to the speech. But uh, AJ tells you, you get one day to feel sorry for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's it. Now, yeah. practically speaking, you know, I'm married and my wife's an entrepreneur and we all have our ups and downs, especially with COVID-19 and, you know, now cycling back to another quarantine potentially. Um, from a practical perspective, I'm sure that's a tough thing for a couple to go through, right? Yeah. It's tough on you. Uh, you're, you're going through, you know, a lull. And, and he says that to you. Now, practically, just as advice for anybody that's listening, 
what's the practical application of that the next day, right? Do you literally wake up out of bed and just say, that's it, it's over, like time to get back to work or? I literally did. Wow. And I was, I think for him too, like I'm a very positive person. So for him to kind of see me being like that was like, what's going on? Right. You know, and some people want to coddle you, you know, thank, thankfully he didn't coddle me. He said, all right, you, you get one day and tomorrow is a, a brand new day to, to make something happen. Wow. And, and it, literally, I remember waking up in my bed that next morning and it just being like, he's right. Like, I need to make the most of every day. I need to make sure I'm moving forward. I need to, you know, basically like go to my rehab with a positive attitude and willing to like learn as much as I can from my therapist and make sure that I listen to my body and you're, you're smart and you, you continue to just every single day you're taking a little step. Um, it's brilliant. Uh, I love it. I mean, it, it it syncs up a lot with with my own mindset. I tell my wife all the time. This may sound silly, but you know, I tell her you you part of it is having a negative mindset really helps you in no way. No way. Right. It, it's totally fine to be realistic and to say, you know, this injury sucks. It happened to me. But the only thing you can do is control what you can. Right. And, and sort of take a step back and say, the positive mindset is going to at least help you to some degree, right? 100%. I mean, I, I, I realize like there's a lot of bad situations that people can be in. Um, and, and they will probably say, well, you can't, you don't understand. Right. Or you'll never be in that situation. And, And a lot of times they are right. So you have to kind of try to put yourself in other people's shoes. But I really do believe that no matter what situation you are in, you still have to try to find the positive. You have to try to find the silver lining because without it, what do you have? You know, that, that, that's basically hope right there. Right. You know, and we all have to try to find the hope out there. And I know it's harder uh, for everybody right now with everything that right. we're all going through, but I, I do believe there's, there's a positive that's going to come out of, of even this. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the interesting things, and I don't think you mentioned it, but you mentioned it in your TEDx talk, that part of this is that you made the mistake of reading the comments, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> which, which is never a good thing. So, so for, for those listening who think, you know, oh, she has a positive mindset, you know, that's not me. You, you are really going through a hard time because comments on the internet are going to be damning one way oh, or the other, right? The People are not, not exactly very positive. So, so you were going through a lot at that time and and overcame that, which I think is really impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's sink or swim, you know, yeah. and it's like be negative or positive. So it's like, which one do you want to be? And um, I've always just found that my dad's really positive. Like every time like we as kids complain about something, he can find a positive out of every situation. And I, I and I've always admired him for that. And then I'm like, wow, you know, like. I want to be like that, you know? And so I try to apply that to my life as much as I can. And I've seen how it's worked from a personal standpoint. Um, as far as like reading the comments, yeah, it's, it stunk, it, it stung. But at the same time, I, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that as motivation. And um, so it was pretty sweet to be able to sit back. And when I stood up on that podium and won that second Olympic gold medal, I was like, you know what? This is just it. It all goes along with the journey, and it makes it That's that awesome. much sweeter. Yeah, super cool. I was going to ask: Is that where it came from? Predominantly, just your dad, or was that sort of 
growing up? How did that influence eventually lead to you having a positive mindset? I mean, I feel like I discovered it on my own through my own life. But at the same time, like, I feel like so much of who we become as people is because of our parents, right? And so I think it was just like a natural thing for me to learn that from him from a young age. And it kind of becomes who you are, right? And I know there's like positive things that you get from your parents and there's negative things. Like that's for sure like one of right. the positive things that I've been able to, to learn from him. And I've always admired him and I still do. And I always will. It's an awesome, awesome story. Now, if you don't want to talk about this, we can always cut it later. But you mentioned to me offline that there was a moment in your life earlier than that that also had a big impact on sort of the direction that your life took. Oh, yeah. About do you the want to, yeah, do you want to oh. share that story? I mean, yeah, uh, sure. I was, gosh, I was not a model citizen when I was younger. Um, my dad, like, basically blames his bald head and gray hair on me. <laughs> I was a real pain in, in the rear. Um, I think, you know, because I don't want to blame it on my parents' divorce, but I feel like I never dealt with my own stuff. We'll put it that way. You know, we did we did go to therapy as a, as when we were young, but I don't think I fully like accepted the hurt and moved through those feelings. And I definitely gravitated towards like a very rebellious group of kids. Um, and we were just like heading down a dark path in high school, just doing stupid stuff. And um, one day after school, I was we were heading over to a friend's house and, um, you know, the street that we always go down was blocked off by orange cones and cops. And so we took the detour around and we went and we waited and hours went by before cell phones. So we just kind of like, where are they? And finally heard a, a knock at the door and it was the cops. And unfortunately our friends had been out. They were driving down that road that we were trying to go down and we had been down a million times and they were intoxicated. They were driving fast. They lost control of the car and they ended up hitting a tree. And that day I ended up losing one of my best friends and, you know, just I remember going to the open casket and just like seeing that, you know, it's like so devastating. Yeah. But at the same time, it was kind of like a, you know, a wake up call. It's like my aha moment. And it made me realize that, you know, obviously like everything that we do in life, there's consequences. And from that moment forward, I just kind of wanted to focus on the positive. And I think a lot of that has to do with like the people that we surround ourselves with, you know, and luckily one of the best things that could happen to me was going away to the University of Florida because I went away from those peers that weren't a positive influence. And I realized that like soccer saved me like 100%. It allowed me to focus on like the positive and, you know, it also allowed me to be surrounded by really positive people, um, all athletes that all wanted to be like the best, you know, and those women are still my best friends. They're women I want to be like every single day. And um, they say that you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. And that like blew my mind because we could either be surrounding ourselves with people that are positive and driven and smart, or we can be surrounding ourselves with negativity and drama and toxicity, you know? And so from that time forward and my realization, this didn't come to like recently, 
But I, I now just try to share the gold medal mindset with people that, you know, when we're young, doesn't necessarily have to be young, but we, you know, sometimes we make mistakes. And I think it's about, you know, just making sure you don't do it twice. And you, you learn from those mistakes and you try to be the best person possible. First of all, thank you. No, for I'm sorry sharing. that I cried no, about no, it. No, but... That's uh, for sharing such a, an important and pivotal moment in your life and, and a, a tough time that obviously still weighs on you. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us and for being so open. But I couldn't agree with you more. I think that, you know, without being sort of cold about it, right, cutting people out of your life or, or, um, or, or, or being that harsh about it, but it really does come down to that right? Mm -hmm. uh, the more you surround yourself with positive influences and the more it's just naturally more opportunities pop up, mm -hmm. uh, better experiences are had all around. There's just no drama in your life all right. of a sudden. And it's almost like, I mean, there's sort of a, 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 um, an intangible thing that happens, I think. And, and similarly, I've had this realization recently that you almost start to become this sort of positive, energetic sort of being and, and it repels drama. Yes. It just drama seems to avoid radiating around you. Well, 100%. All of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like you're either drawn to it or you're trying to avoid it. Right. Um, and I think I've become better the older that I've gotten at being able to really identify that. Um, and yeah, sometimes it does like stink to break, not break up friendships, but maybe not um, interact as much with those type of people. Right. But I think in order for you to grow, um, sometimes, you know, you just have to kind of associate yourself with, with different people. For sure. For sure. Now you're doing this for organizations, for, for people, for corporate entities who want to bring you in to share your gold medal mindset with their teams. That can be really difficult, I would imagine, at times, right? Because you have some sense of culture shock. Uh, there's definitely a new wave of of positivity spreading around. I think in general, we're headed for sort of that kind of hopefully illuminated uh, societal uh, right. uh, stage, but it, it can be difficult. So, how do you overcome pushback or bureaucracy or or difficulty within an organization that brings you in to share your gold medal mindset, but then top down maybe they're not, uh, you know, putting it into practice. I think all you can do is share a message and hope that it resonates with people. Um, you know, that's why I wanted to do start doing the speaking because I felt like very passionate about wanting to give back and, sh and share a message. And, you know, it's definitely the ups and downs, um, you know, but I think you can only just put it out there and hope that it resonates with someone you can't. You're never going to make everybody happy like that's that's not possible. You're not an avocado. Right. Right. <laughs> I like that. An avocado makes everybody happy. That's makes brilliant. me very happy. That's awesome. <laughs> Going back to your career as a soccer player, just to build back up this gold medal mindset for the people who are listening, you had to do more than your competition to make the team. You had this potentially career ending injury and it was really significant, but you just keep telling yourself, just don't stop. Right. Yeah. You got to keep pushing. Yeah. And so tell us about that experience. How long did it take to recover? And then tell us about that moment stepping onto the field in the Olympics, because yeah. I know that's a, a big, you know, that's your precipice, right? All of it. Um, I had 15 months, um, so I knew I had a little bit over a year. They usually say that it takes a full year to get your speed back. And so 
being that that's something that I relied on heavily. Right. Um, that was pivotal. So I didn't have long. So I pretty much had to like, you know, I had to find the best doctor. I had to find the best therapist. I had to like, you know, all those things really do factor in the way that I wanted to um, get my surgery. So I used an allograft, which is actually a tendon from a cadaver. And that was going to help me recover faster rather than using my own hamstring. And so then basically it was up to me just to kind of make sure I didn't have any setbacks. Like it was really important to listen to my body. And um, then, you know, there comes a time around, I would say like, I think the five month mark where your therapy's over. And I was just like, now what? You know, I, 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 my therapist was just kind of, I will say that I probably babied my recovery a little bit more than most athletes. It was not aggressive because I wanted to be very precautious because I didn't want to have any setbacks. Right. And so he was like, no, no, you're, you're okay. <laughs> you're going to be okay. You've done the work. Like you are stronger than you've ever been in your life. And you truly have to believe that, but it is hard. You're scared. Right. And, um, so then I had this time and actually AJ and I were broken up and I was just like, what do I do with myself? Well, wow. and, um, I was like, well, I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to go start doing things that I've never done in my life that I've wanted to do. And that now I have time. So I started traveling. I started going and seeing friends and family. Um, and then after a month, it was like, all right, I'm ready to start training again. And so I had to find the best coach to give me an opportunity of, of making it back in time. And actually, James Galanis here in um, New Jersey said he would train me for free, um, you know, as many hours out of the day as I needed. And so I was like, this is it. Like, I have to train more than I've ever trained in my life. And so in the morning, we would do three hours of working on my weaknesses. Wow. And I had to at the time being because I couldn't run. So, you know, speed and fitness were always my specialty. But, you know, I wasn't as good with the ball as most people. So I need to work on my skills. And so we really focused on like, just like literally three hours of skill work in the morning and then again at night. And um, I just became so confident. And so I saw how much I was improving um, that all that stuff really just made a big difference. You know, I was training like a machine. I was putting in the work. I was actually seeing that there was an improvement. And so that was making my confidence just like, skyrocket. That's awesome. Um, which you need when you're coming back from an injury. And so then when I finally was able to start running, then I was training three times a day because I knew that I had to do more than everybody else. If I even wanted to give myself a shot of making the team, like I was just like insane. It was like a focus, you know, I was just like, nothing else is getting in my way. I'm going to do everything I can. And believe me, there were definitely days where I never, never thought that I was going to have a sniff of making that team because I did get invited back in and I did have a setback um, and I didn't want to wear the brace. I mean, there were so many things that were really kind of going into the equation, but I finally got that first start with the national team. And I remember I was like, this is it. Like you, you either go out there and you play with no fear or, you know, you might not make this team. And so I did, I just went out there. I was like flying around on the ground, slide tackling and, getting in, into the attack. And I, I feel like I was just, I was so inspired because I really just never, I wasn't even sure if I'd ever play soccer again. Right. And I had this opportunity to start and I was like, I'm not, I'm not letting this slip by. 
And so I, I feel like every time I stepped foot on the field from then on out, whether or not it was practice or a game, I just had like this new appreciation and this new mentality. Um, and I was like, this is the sport that I love and I want to do everything I can to, to make the most of it. So and all, you did. it all worked out. And you did. Yeah. Yeah. You crushed it. You yeah. went on to win three gold medals, which is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, everyone has this negative voice, I think, in their head, right? Sure. And I'm sure when you're facing setbacks like you did, and when, when people are facing setbacks like a lot of people are now, whether it's with their career or their families, their health, whatever it is, you know, I'm always curious, how, what's your practical method for shutting that voice down and pushing past it? I think in the past, it was always just kind of like work harder than everybody else, you know, um, and follow your heart. I feel like if you do stuff that you're passionate about, it just comes naturally. It's not forced. You're not trying to be someone that you're not. Um, and I think it's just kind of like, you know, don't try to force it. Right. You know, if it happens, it happens. Um, but, uh, you know, I will say like during this time more than anything, that's something that's helped me from a mental standpoint is, is meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never really been into it before. I know all the health benefits and, um, but I just kept finding an excuse, uh, like why I couldn't do it. Right. And then I'm like, right. okay, the reason why you're making these you know, excuses, it's, it's not acceptable. Like right. you need to figure out this is, is really going to work. Um, and yeah, it's been life changing for me. So I think that's really kind of one of the big things that has helped me through this tough time is just focusing on the positive in my breath and just controlling what you can, because a lot of these things are just, we can't do anything about it. Yeah. Like, and it stinks. And I think that's what gives people anxiety is when they can't control their lives. But there are very many aspects that we can. So you need to focus on the things that you can control. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of times it's we convince ourselves that we have control. And it's really a false control. Right. right? You know, uh, a lot of times you're not in as much control of your own life as, as you, you think, think you are. Um, but going back to your meditation style, I, I love demystifying it for people just to to help, you know, kind of hopefully somebody else will find it. I love meditating as well. My wife does also. What's your approach? What What's your favorite style of meditation, especially when you're anxious? So I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I was talking to my brother about it the other night because he's, he's really going through some stuff right now. Where right. He hates his job and he just, you know, he's single and he can't meet people right now. And I'm like, right, you need to meditate. Like, and he's like, really? And I'm like, yes, like it really is life changing for me as a mom. And, you know, just with everything that's going on right now, I started with, I read a book and it said, if you do three minutes a night consistently for two weeks, then you kind of like have gotten past that hump. And if you miss a night, you got to start over that yep. two weeks. And it took me a really long time to get to that two weeks. Um, and then I eventually started building, like I would do like four minutes and then five minutes. So now I'm up to 15. Um, and I just heard this thing on Jay Shetty podcast the other day. He was like, I do two hours a day. And I'm like, oh my God, I have so far to go. But he says he breaks it up. Right. So I'm like, okay, that's maybe doable because I do feel like I try to start my day with it. That and the gratitude journal to focus on the positive things that we have every day that maybe you are not thinking about mm-hmm. or we take for granted. So I was try- that's how I try to start my day. But then something might happen throughout the day that's like a negative. And then you have to take time again to be like, all right, let me sit down. Let me or, uh, focus on my breath and try to like control, find a way to control what's happening. Right. Right. 
So you do counting of the breaths. You do guided meditation. I don't do guided meditation. I actually do. This, we have a sound machine for like all awesome. the kids. Yeah. And so I actually just sit there um, and I just close my eyes and I'm just trying to like just keep telling myself like just focus on nothing, you know, right. just like no thoughts. And sometimes thoughts will creep in and that's okay. But the fact that you're even sitting there and you're work, you're you're focusing on your breath and you're just trying to rest. Yeah. I think is what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I you know, I for me the thing that's worked best for me, I have vicious vicious AD, ADHD or ADD or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I I try I, I have never medicated for it, so I'm trying to take awesome. control and and harness yeah. it. And, and, you know, because at the same time, there are advantages to every weakness, right? If you learn to steer them in the right direction yes. gently and without trying to force things to your point. And uh, for me, recently, I've discovered that box breathing works really well. So, for example, three seconds in, hold for three seconds, three seconds out, hold for three seconds and then just repeat. Oh, nice. And um, I picked that one up from, uh, I think it was a book by Mark Devine, who's a former Navy SEAL. And, and he talks about how Navy SEALs do meditation. They, they box breathe to stay in the zone when they're in these like really high intensity. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? That's they're in, cool. in a firefight. It's not, you, right. know, you would think that's not the time to settle down, but that's, that's, that's how they stay focused and uh, super sharp. Totally makes sense. And so uh, he talks about box breathing in one of his books. And I think you can see YouTube videos with that as well. And that for me has just worked really well. And to your point with the, the Jay Sheedy uh, podcast, Jay Sheedy, Sheedy or Shetty? Uh, potato, potato. Hopefully I'm saying it right. Yeah, if, right? And, and if he's listening, please reach out. <laughs> um, but, uh, but the two hour thing, I think for me, even now seems unfathomable almost, right? Yeah. But my wife, for example, uh, she loves longer meditations. And from pretty much day one for her, it's been, uh, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes plus. Yeah. She's like, I'm not even in the zone until yeah, way could, after, you know? Yeah. In an ideal world, I, I would like to do longer. Yeah. I'm, I'm working my way up. <laughs> Pro the, I'm proud of my progress. For the, for the female entrepreneurs, the moms who are listening, how do you work that into your day? Because I think that's one of the things, right? People always say, oh, I don't have time for that. And the funny thing is, that's exactly, you know, what you need. What you need, if exactly. If you're saying that, right? So yeah. how do you work that in? I mean, um, so in an ideal world, I'd love to start my day with it, but that like literally means waking up before my kids do, which right. doesn't happen often. Right. If I do, then I, I, I do try to knock it out and start the day that way. But a lot of times my youngest still takes a nap. And so I will go up and do it as I'm putting him down because he falls asleep with the sound machine. I just go up there and, and I sit there in my position and I, I do my meditation and it's, it's perfect. Nice. So Yeah. Now that works really well. I like how you've kind of anchored it to something. That's something that uh, one of my, I have this mentor, teacher, friend, I don't know, our relationship doesn't really have a label, right? But um, he's been hugely important in my life. And we talk about meditation and stuff all the time. And, uh, and one of the things he said is, you know, if you're struggling to schedule it into your day, try to anchor it to something as a scheduling technique. And it sounds like that's something that's worked for you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I feel like there's so much still to kind of learn what is the best way to do it. Um, but I have I really do notice the days that I don't. And so even with my my son, you know, if he has a meltdown or something, um, if I have meditated, I feel like I I handle it so much better than when I don't. 
And so for me, I feel like as a mom, it makes me a better mom. And I'm sure it just, you know, it helps me in so many other ways too. So Right. Do you feel calmer and more like in control? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things from a practical perspective is that there's this instantaneous moment before, you know, there's a stimulus and there's your reaction to it. Right. Yep. And there's this instantaneous sort of moment in between the two. Right. That has to exist, obviously. And when you meditate, it starts to kind of stretch that time out a little bit, you think? When you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think it's funny because. We don't realize how much of of what our parents, how they raise us really is passed on to us and our personality. And so now I'm trying to like peel back those layers and I think be less reactive and meditation has helped me to do that. Right. Yeah. Good point. All right. So let's go over some of the tips that I've picked up when I was doing some research about, um, about you and from your TEDx talk, some of the tips that you offer as advice, if we may, and then we'll kind of elaborate on them if that's cool. Um, one of the things that you talk about was your giving yourself permission to let go of the dream of playing in the World Cup to set new goals that end up leading you to play in the Olympics and obviously win three gold medals. So talk about that from a practical perspective. So you're, you're in this very tough, you know, your initial goal is to go on to play for the women's team to go to the World Cup. That obviously doesn't happen and you have to reset your goals. What's your process for that? Um, I think it's like, accepting it and just being like it's okay to be to feel sad about the fact that you're not going to be able to accomplish one of your goals but at the same time it's like all right how do you how do you move forward it's like you have to set new ones and i think in life so many of us have goals and for me in particular i was lucky enough to achieve those goals while i was playing but then when I re- when I retired, it was like, well, now what? You know, and that's when you have to set new ones. And throughout our lives, I feel like we need to. A lot of times when you're like a kid, it's like everybody's like, what's your dream? But as adults, you don't hear too many people right. ever say Great that. Point. And I think we all need things to work towards. And your dream should be something that seems unattainable, unattainable something that's scary. So then that way you can um, have something to shoot towards. Yeah, pushing yourself towards growth is something that doesn't have to stop at any point in your life, really, right? You you should always, at least that's apparently our philosophy anyways, but that, that's something that you you should think about is how can I continue to grow and improve while at the same time, from sort of a mental health perspective, being okay with where you are in the moment, right. that you're on the path or on the journey. Yeah, and I think, you know, I love goal setting. I think goal setting is something that really kind of changed how I and programmed and how I um, am structured now, because obviously we, as I said, the unattainable scary goal at the top, but we don't want it to make it so crazy that we can't get there and then we're sad about it, right? So then you have to have smaller little attainable goals that ultimately help you get closer to that that ultimate goal. Um, But I think, you know, goal setting is very important because it gives us something to work towards. Yeah, great point. And do you think that your goal setting is typically more aligned with, as you talked about, sort of following your heart rather than more material things like, yeah. like a particular money amount or whatever is kind of a silly goal to set, right? Yes. I mean, obviously it's, I don't know. I think 
they should be true to who you are and who you want to be. Um, but they also need to be measurable. You know, I think that that helps us to continue just to kind of um, see those things come true and be able to, to, to measure our success and our growth. Yeah. From a practical perspective, I guess it's, you know, you set this unattainable goal that's out on the horizon, but then you sort of work your way back, right? And say, okay, well, what's the first step right. that I can take now yeah. that'll put me on the path to that? Right. Right. Now, what about owning your identity? What do you typically mean by that when you, you mention that in your, in your speaking engagements? Kind of figuring out who you are and who you want to be and that certain things in our life are going to happen that, um, you know, present challenges. And cha I think challenges are a lot of times we're like, oh, darn it, we, you know, it's there. And why is this happening to me? Instead of just changing our mindset and be like, aha, I see what's going on here. This is a challenge and it's going to, it's going to make me work and it's going to make me figure out like how strong and how resilient I really am in order to work through this. So I think if we look at things in life differently, um, once again, it's, it's a positive mindset because right. the negative is like, why is this happening to me again? Rather than like, I feel like everything happens for a reason a little bit. And so I think a lot of times like those things are put there to be like, okay, maybe this isn't a good decision or maybe these people aren't a good decision or I need to figure out a new way around it. Um, so I think there's just a way. It's just how you look at things. Another thing that you talk about frequently is how grit and resilience are really the secret sauce that help you going from being a world-class athlete to becoming a world-class champion. So talk to us about that, how you, you put that into practical application on your day-to-day -day now, even after you, you, your athletic career has come to an end. I feel like it's like you got to have a little bit of like just bite, you know, and I think when I was playing, I just kind of was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do me. I'm gonna, you know, focus on the things that I see personally that are working for myself. Um, might not be the same as everybody else, but um, it's what works for me. Right. And it's my routine and it's the things that I wanna focus on um, and that are gonna bring me success. And I think your personality, you bring your personality into that, and that's your grit, right? Um, and then obviously the resilience is just not ever giving up. You know, I think it's just continuing to work and try to be the best person you can possibly be, to try to be better than the person you were be a day before. Um, so as far as like, you know, just not comparing yourself to others, I think it's focusing more on you. Like if the more you can focus on yourself and just being true to yourself and being the best version of yourself, um, I think, you know, everybody's going to have success and happiness. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And the last thing I want to touch on is your, a quote from you as well, that belief supersedes doubt and love of self conquers fear of triumph. So explain that to the listeners in a more practical sense, how they can apply that quote to their daily lives. Oh, geez. Um, so we can either live in, which I think a lot of people are doing right now, is we can live in fear, you know, um, or we can try to find that silver lining and we can try to take risks. And, you know, sometimes you're going to fail but I think you're going to learn from those things. Um, so I think once again, it's like, what do you want to, what do you want to focus on every single day? How do you want to live your life? 
Um, you know, and for me, I think it's nice that I, I am a mom because I think a lot of my focus is it's not very rarely on myself anymore. Um, when I was an athlete, it was like, you know, how can I be the best possible athlete? Like, right. this is my decision. This is my life. And now it's like more, how can I make sure that I'm um, being a great role model and that I'm teaching my kids the most important things to focus on every single day? So it's more about them. Um, so maybe if you don't, you don't want to focus on yourself, uh, how can you focus on others to where they can um, reap the benefits? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I think that's really interesting that you point that out. Uh, I happen to be teaching at Temple and... I frequently tell people it's been a huge blessing to be able to focus on the students a lot Mm -hmm. and just kind of takes your mind off of everything else, right? You have no choice but to hammer down and do what you have to do for them. Um, So yeah, really interesting. Now, do you want your, any of your, your kids to become professional athletes? Is that? I want them to do whatever makes them them happiest because in, in all honesty, like I feel like if you're going to be an overbearing, pushy parent, your kid's not a going to enjoy it and they're not going to be happy. Right. And so I think everybody assumes that because we're both athletes that our right. kids are going to be athletes and there's, that's a lot of pressure. So I really, if they want to great, I will support them 100%. Um, if they don't, then it's okay too. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Let's talk about just to wrap up. Philly is bidding to be one of the 10 U S cities to host matches for the FIFA world cup in 2026. I've got my fingers crossed. That's yeah, for sure. Me too. Um, so you're on the committee. Currently you're on the committee with the city, with the Philadelphia union, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Eastern Pennsylvania youth soccer association, and the entire regional soccer community as a whole. And you're all working towards hopefully making Philly one of the stops. Yeah. What can people do to help if they're listening or watching on YouTube? to help the cause. And we will post a link that you can click on to go and get more information. But from a practical perspective, what what can people do? Yeah. So join the fan club, mm-hmm. which is what the link you're going to offer. And then also right now it is it is a donation. Um, and I know times are tough, um, but like obviously even like a dollar or five dollars or something really does make a difference. Um, there's various ways that we're trying to raise money, but obviously, you know, we have a large goal and we're not even close to it. So um, it's, it's nice because like Julie Ertz and Carly Lloyd and, um, Alejandro Bedoya and I'm trying to think and, and Zach Ertz have all lended their name to kind of, you know, boost the importance of this event. It would be amazing to have a world cup here. That'd be um, incredible. Yeah. yeah. And I think anytime we have sports related activities here in Philly, it's wildly successful. And I think soccer has grown a lot. Yeah. The union games. I mean. They the, just won the, the fan, league shield. The, I know the yeah. fan base is there. So I think, you know, it just would make so much sense and be really excited for the city. Yeah. Awesome. So please click on the link, go do anything you can to support at a minimum, sign up for the fan club. Heather, thank you so much. Thank you for hosting us, but especially thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Tony, for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a fun conversation today. Thanks. You're wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate that.